Welcome to the table. You are listening to the Kingstown Communion podcast with lead pastor Michelle Matthews. The Kingstown Communion is a new United Methodist Church existing to gather people into communion with Jesus Christ through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. For more information about upcoming events and opportunities to serve, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Kingstown Communion. We're glad that you're listening along with us. If you live close by, we hope you'll join us for worship in person. And if you ever feel so inclined to help us by giving financially, you can do so on our website, kingstowncommunion.net. Today's scripture is coming from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 2 and 15 through 21. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to one another, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts, giving thanks to God the Father at all times and for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, being subject to one another out of reference for Christ, reverence for Christ. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Just put it right there. Thank you. Um, So if you are um, joining us for the first time uh, online or in person, we have been in a sermon series called Swole Church, um, meaning we're trying to build the body and um, and strengthen the church through the reading of Ephesians. We're working our way through Ephesians. But also we took a um, test, most of us, Maybe you have at some point, maybe you haven't, maybe you don't remember what your, um, your, your, yours were, but we took a test, um, the high five test, highfivetest.com, uh, and to find out what our five core strengths are, much like strengths finders, but we wanted to know what your five core strengths were, and then those five core strengths are broken down into these four categories of feeling, motivating, thinking, and doing. And so the last four Sundays of this series are in kind of, seeing what Ephesians has to say for these groups of people and how they contribute to the church. We're mapping them out. If you've not put it up here, um, that's okay if you haven't. Um, Yeah, put it up today. We have the little stickers. There's extra ones on seats around you at the end of rows, I think, or the row behind you. Um, But you can put the sticker up anytime. We just want to kind of see where our people fall. We're getting some more feelers, which is making me happy, but we are absolutely thinking and doing heavy as a church. Thinking and do DC, welcome to DC, right? The thinkers and the doers. predominant in DC. Um, So did anybody ever uh, listen to Prairie Home Companion? Does anybody, you know it? Okay, good. All right, so Prairie Home Companion, it's this famous Garrison Keillor radio show that ran from like 1974 to all the way up to like 2016. 
I think. It ended not too long before COVID, but time is all COVID-related in my head. So Garrison Keillor would always tell stories of this mythical, mystical place, um, Lake um, Wobegon. Do you remember that? Yeah, Lake Wobegon. So in this place, there's this wise Lutheran pastor there, um, this wise Lutheran pastor character. He talks about him a couple times. And one day the pastor is alarmed when he reads a Dear Abby column and notices how often Dear Abby refers her readers to their ministers. Did you know that? Did you know that Dear Abby would tell her readers over and over again, you need to go talk to your pastor. (laughs) You need to go do that. Talk to your minister, Dear Abby counsels a 14-year-old deeply in love with a 50-something-year-old married man serving serious time in federal prison. (laughs) Keeler tells it this way. As she pours out her love for Vince, her belief in his innocence, the fact that his wife never really loved him, not like she, 14-year-old Trish does. Nobody can love him like she does. And the fact that despite his age and they're never, ever, ever, ever having met each other, (laughs) uh, there is something indescribably sacred and precious between them. And dear Abby just responds to which this Lutheran pastor, this he's not a real person, is amazed. Girl, don't be ridiculous. You better go talk to your minister. (laughs) Don't be ridiculous writes the author of Ephesians today. Don't be ridiculous, you better go talk to your minister. Did you hear it? Don't be foolish, be careful how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise. Dear Abby and Garrison Keillor and our Ephesians text today, they all call us to reflect on wisdom and wise living in the midst of an often, often, and our thinkers think this, ridiculous world. And in Ephesians, the author is writing to the church in Ephesus, encouraging these Christians to order their life together in wise ways. And the seeds of wisdom, the author writes, are watered by thankful hearts. Wisdom here is not moralism. It's also not like precise and right belief. Notice that wisdom is giving thanks for what God has done. Wisdom is a practice of faith. Wisdom is looking around at your life, no matter the circumstances, and saying, there is blessing here. Wisdom is waking up in the morning and as sleepy neurons fire and like sunlight peaks in through the window, it is giving thanks for just the breath of life and for the gift of just another day of laughter and love and a good book. In the age of like communication and information where anything we could ever want, anything we could ever want to know can be found on the internet where information is quantified in terabytes, and managed in spreadsheets, the writer of Ephesians suggests that wisdom is gleaned in the kind of groundedness and earthiness of life. Wisdom is rooted in traditions and practices and ways of living that have stood the test of time. And people, they don't become wise on their own because 
Because wisdom comes from learning these rituals and these habits and these stories in community with one another, in the communities we live in, in the places that we inhabit. And despite their deep affection for books and terabytes and spreadsheets, I know from personal experience, from being in relationship with so many of you, you and you, and you and you, you, yeah, you thinkers in the room, from being in relationship with you that it is uniquely the faithful thinkers in our midst who know and attend to this kind of wisdom. Literary critic uh, Harold Bloom, contrasting this age of information and knowledge and wealth with the economically impoverished yet wiser ways, he says, of his own childhood, says this, everything in my grandparents' home found its meaning in the stories of scripture and its songs and its prayers. They were wise without education, had traveled virtually nowhere. My generation, my cousins and siblings with our PhDs and our MDs have no comparable learning to that. And when we try to talk about meaning, we offer nothing but cliches and superficialities. Ephesians today seems to want to teach us what thoughtfulness really looks like. And what is the underlying wisdom that our thinkers in our midst have to offer us? Because while on the surface it might look like they just really like books and terabytes and spreadsheets, uh, love those numbers, deep below is this profound appreciation and understanding that the wisdom of God can be found in every day, in the everyday observance. Wisdom finds meaning and substance and purpose in habits that might normally be considered routine, raising children, learning to become friends, chatting with a neighbor, getting the kids off to school, giving your best at work, preparing the evening meal, paying the bills, calling your mother, saying your bedtime prayers. Wisdom has this way of distinguishing the, the significant from the trivial. And this is good news and something to learn from for us feelers and motivators who can quite easily become distracted and overwhelmed by the trivial. And thoughtful ones in our midst, the, the thoughtful ones, they see the extraordinary and the ordinary. They have this superpower of locating the sacred and the otherwise kind of mundane practices of life. They understand that wisdom is gleaned from a particular place, the contours of the landscape in which we live, we are shaped and we learn wisdom from the places we inhabit. It's also the thoughtful ones who get that wisdom is often learned in the painful places of life too. Like the book of Job suggests, one, one faithful thinker I I know in my life, um, who lost his wife after 40 years of marriage, once said to me, I used to think of life as a roller coaster with some high times and some low and steep inclines and declines in the middle, but that's, that is no longer an adequate description for me. Roller coasters are found in amusement parks, places of fun and games, and when the ride ends, you simply just get off in the same place you began. No. Life is more like being on a boat 
in the middle of the ocean with only one oar and you, you rise to the top of the wave and you get a glimpse of this horizon in front of you and then, and then you go down into an abyss in the deep and, and from which you wonder if you'll ever really surface and then somehow by grace you actually do surface. And the oar, in fact, isn't used as a paddle, it's used as a rudder. This is this kind of painful way to learn wisdom, but sometimes it's the only way to learn wisdom. And our feelers and our motivators and pain are often so burdened by the feeling and by the trying to change those feelings that they can't make thoughtful observance of what God might actually be doing in this. And of all the ways to grow in wisdom, the Bible gives most of its attention to wisdom as learned by giving oneself to a community like this. The church and its rituals and its practices. Don't be ridiculous, dear Abby writes. Go talk to your minister. When the author of Ephesians speaks of wisdom, he is referring to like an act of faith. As an example, he says, people learning to be wise together should sing together. If you want wisdom, says Ephesians, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, making a melody to the Lord in your hearts. For the church, the starting block for wise living is, is like the processional, processional hymn. Wisdom is learned through worship. For many of us, uh, our early and often lasting conception of who God is and who, are, who we are and what the church is, our theology is shaped by the hymns we sing. Singing together is like a school for our thinkers in the learning about God, learning to give praise to God, learning to love one another and to live holy lives. And thinkers in our midst are not moved to tears by these songs, maybe, but they are formed and they are trained in the faith through them. They don't take the songs and prayers of faith at of, of the faith at face value, but they analyze them to see if they align with what they already know about God and, and they allow these songs and prayers to shape them into wiser, more thoughtful and faithful people. We all know of places and times when the people of God, the church of God, have been anything but wise. The church throughout history has at times majored in ridiculousness and minored in problem making. <laughs> like a 14-year-old girl lovesick for a 50-year-old in prison and, and yet Ephesians gives us an image of the church at its best, a place where people in all stages of life gather to sing together and to pray together and to serve together and to learn from one another together and to be thoughtful about it. That's what honoring the saints is all about. That's what we do here. That, that the saints of the church become our professors, not become people we worship, but become professors and mentors in this world of faith for us. That's what we do when we baptize people as well. <laughs> We lay hands on an infant or a youth or an adult and the church says to that person, you don't know it yet, but we're gonna give you a story to live by. You don't have to do it on your own. We, we've been at this business of life with Jesus for a long time now and there is a bit of wisdom, there's something to learn and we have learned as a community that we want you to know and to learn as well. 
So who are these thinkers in our room? Who are the thinkers? We got a good amount of you. You've been waiting for this. Yay. Okay, so um, who are these people? So our analysts. Did anybody come up as analysts when they took the test? Analysts. Analysts, yes. Our analysts. Analysts. They are energized by getting to look for simplicity and clarity through data, through history, through something tangible to make sense of. Analysts are frustrated when someone asks them to follow their heart rather than what this bank of knowledge to work from, which is why our thinkers, you, you might think that analysts only care about numbers. This is why our thinkers often revere tradition because something's happened before now. Someone did this before now. There is data of other people's faith before mine right now. Maybe we ought to learn from that. Maybe the church ought to learn from its history. Brainstormers, anybody brainstormers? I am. Anybody a brainstormer? So I really just like to think and throw things out but never actually think about it seriously. Like just like put it on a chart, we'll do it later. Um, Brainstormers are excited when asked to come up with kind of <laughs> no limit ideas. Um, so yeah, that's why we need all the rest of you because if, we only, if you're only a brainstormer, you're really not a thinker. And that's why I'm not, I'm very much not a thinker. Uh, but brainstormers get quickly bored by standard practices and also close-minded people. Our thinkers in our room, often we think of our thinkers, our analysts as being narrow-minded um, often our thinkers are some of the most broadly minded because they've, they are well read, they do the research, they know a good amount of info and they are willing and ready to share that info with you. Um, they can be actually quite open minded people. Philomaths, anybody? Got a lot of those. Um, I really am very happy to have a lot of philomaths in my congregation. It makes me feel real good because you could go get information so many places and you come here and so that's awesome because you all love something deep and you ingest it like you constantly. Um, you're in love with learning. You need to feel like somebody is giving you something meaty to chew on. Um, you explore so many interests, you have so many ideas, so many thoughts, because you just are so um, insatiably hungry for new information and the next thing to know, and just your readers and your podcast listeners, and you just can't get enough of it, right? You can't get enough of it, you've gotta go. Um, they, they do not enjoy uh, places of know-it-all people. Once again, open-minded. They don't really care because our philomaths, they know that there's an endless amount to know. There's an endless amount out there to, to, to breathe in, to, to take and to, to process again. So close-minded people are people who think they know it all and that's it. Often those are not the philomaths. They're not the ones doing all the study, the know-it-all. They're, they're the ones who just think they know enough and they don't have to, to keep, keep searching um, and reading. Any strategists in the room? Any of our strategists? Yeah, our strategists. Strategists often go, um, our strategists take our thinkers into the motivating category often. Um, I am not a strategist, but if I were to have like strengths envy, 
that would be my strengths envy. I have, I have strengths envy for, for, for the people who have the mind of a strategist because I know I can use it to motivate people <laughs> and I don't have that in me. Um, but strategists, they have the skill to see the big picture. Always, they can see the big picture and they, they may not have the other gifts over here in sharing that big picture with others. Sometimes they don't, but if you have them in the room, and they can help you see the big picture, then those motivators can run to tell the story of it. Um, they have this way of connecting the dots. Um, so in a place like this, the church, they are not uh, dragged down by the nitty details, nitty gritty details of, um, of the candles or, or, or the music or, the, or, the, um, or the, the organization of the volunteers. They are seeing why this entire thing exists and for what purpose it exists. Uh, and, and, and how can we um, thoughtfully um, organize this place in a way that moves forward all of those pieces, all of those dots, not focus on one dot or the other. Um, and they get impatient with people who make slow decisions because they can see all the dots together already. And then our thinkers, I know this seems redundant, I don't know why this test has a thinking category and then the thinkers underneath the category, but that's the best word they had for it. Our thinkers, they, um, they're the ones who enjoy the mental gymnastics. Not the, fi the philomaths have the insatiable need to learn. The philomaths just need it to be robust and profound and they want to feel like you've mo you've, you have moved them. Uh, the, the they want you to give them all. The, the thinkers probably liked our biblical sermon series um, because I gave you actual dates and people and uh, pieces of data that then you could put together. You could put it together and, and you could draw the map of this. That's how the Bible was put together. You know, you could draw this mental map in your head. You liked the mental activity of that. Um, and they, our thinkers are sometimes the ones that maybe are the, the stereotypical thought of a thinking person. Sometimes the quiet, more reserved people, right? Often our thinkers are in their heads. That's why they're reserved. They are thinking. They are just bouncing up and down that gymnastics, right? Um, these are the people. These are the five traits that make up our thinkers. And here's what I know, that the wisdom of these people is a gift given by God to the church. There are places that do not have a predominant amount of thinkers. We do. So what will we do with that? What, as a church, should we do with having probably a third of our people as thinkers, the other third is doers, and then the rest make up. <laughs> um, so what, is, what do we make of that? What do we make of having this much many thinkers in our midst? I can tell you that as a motivator, on my worst and most ridiculous days, motivators, feelers, do you have ridiculous days? We often do, thinkers often don't. They don't often have ridiculous days. On our worst and most ridiculous days, on mine, it's been the thinkers in my midst who have been Jesus to me. They're often the ones who can help us parse out the trivial from the significant, right? True wisdom is one of the greatest gifts from God for God's church. And so during the season of Advent, this is why I love this. It begins in three weeks from now, mark your calendars. It does not begin December 1st. 
Yes, our, our thinkers are going to be, there's a little bit of precision in that. It does not begin December 1st. It begins the Sunday after Thanksgiving, always, um, right? So um, it's November the se- um, 27th this year. That's when Advent begins. And there's this hymn we sing every year with this verse, and I love it. We actually make Christ holy wisdom. We call Christ holy wisdom, and we say, O come thou wisdom from on high, and order all things far and nigh. To us the path of knowledge show. You know the next line? And guide us in where to go. Yeah, it's the thinkers that are gonna help us, help guide us in where to go. Because we've got, the doers will help do the things we need to do and the feelers will help us feel and the motivators will help us see what can and should be changed along the process. But it's our, it's our thinkers that often are the guiders. They're helping us know what is the difference between what is trivial and significant. God's greatest gift is wisdom too. And what I love about the season of Advent, we make Christ's wisdom as it reminds us that of the wisdom from which the world was created, wisdom which came in a person in the flesh of Jesus, born in a manger, died on the cross, wisdom poured out his body as bread and, 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 and called it bread, but also redefined it in that meal. That's the world's hunger to be satisfied by this, the wisdom, Jesus. This is foolishness. This is the foolishness of the cross that Paul talks about, and wiser than human wisdom, that the weakness of God is always stronger than human strength. And at the beginning of our service today, we, 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 you, we said that, that call to worship together, and we talked about those quiet saints. One of those quiet saints, and who is a thinker in, our, in the history of the church, was Karl Barth the most influential Protestant theologian of the last century, definitely. Um, And he was one of the few pastors in Nazi Germany to stand against Hitler, stating clearly that the true church would never become a hand made into the state, always parsing out the difference between what was trivial for the church and what was significant. And he worked his groundbreaking like church dogmatics, this 14 volume, six million word treatise that we have that we can rely on. He was a thinker in the true sense. But shortly before he died, he was giving this lecture at Princeton University. And when the lecture was over, some guy got up at the back of the room and he wasn't like a guy who was a super academic guy and, and said, Mr. Bart, you have given your life to the church. You have written pages upon pages of theology. What is the one thing, please tell me, what is the one thing you want me as a disciple of Jesus to know? And the people in the room with bated breath waited for his answer and they all thought they knew what it would be. They thought they knew what a thinker kind of answer would be. What profound theological, sophisticated, thoughtful words would he have? The greatest theologian of our time, what would he have to say to us? And he just said, in embodying wisdom that is not learned but formed, they asked him, what is the one thing you want me as a disciple of Jesus to know? And he said, well, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible told me so. Would you pray with me? 
God, we all might have a little bit of um, this. Some of us in the room may have not gotten a single thinking uh, um, word come up on this strength test, and yet they are, um, they are here because they want to be thoughtful about their faith, and they want to connect their faith in both heart and mind. But it is, God, thank you for those people in our midst who have this way of just seeing um, what is important and not just believing it blindly, but having done the work to know what's important. We thank you for this, those saints, and we thank you for also our, our motivators and our feelers and our doers, which we will talk about next week. And we thank you that you are building the church of these people, these particular people in this room. And so we ask God that you would tell us, you would speak to us here, um, speak through the history of the church, speak through um, the stories of the faith, speak directly to us if you, would have, um, if you would have that today, God, but speak to those in this room to let them know how they might be called to uniquely help build the body. Speak to them also and assure them that they actually have gifts to do so, that they have been made by you exactly like this perfect so that our thinkers don't wish they were motivators and our feelers don't wish they were motivators and our, and our, our motivators don't wish they were thinkers, but that we all can honor who you've made us as here in this space. God, I ask that you'd be with particularly today those people who um, this, to, to light a candle is, is hard. It's emotional. It's hard to remember, and yet it feels so right to at the same time. We join God with Jesus, who is that beautiful saint who we call Son of God, one with you. In that prayer that He taught us to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen.